Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Give it a listen. Maybe you're not an artist. Why would you say that? Did it hurt your feelings when I said it? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'm right. Maybe if you were an artist, you'd have laughed when I said that. Like, if you told me I was purple, I would laugh because I know I'm not purple. But when I said you weren't an artist, you felt bad, maybe because there's a grain of truth in it. Ooh. Um, To be honest, saw that on a reel. Couldn't tell you what show it's from. Actually, I could because I literally typed out every single word that they said into Google. (laughs) And then it popped up as the YouTube video. That is how I found the clip, but um, got it on a reel and was super, super convicted by it because I was like, wow, how many times in life have I known a truth about myself that God has told me, and yet when somebody has questioned that truth, I have reacted like the daughter in that clip, where I've said, oh, why would you say that about me? Why would you think that about me, right? Instead of reacting and being like, no, or Jesus, right? Beat it, Satan. You shouldn't say that to people. But, <laughs> but in all actuality, that should be kind of our mentality of like, beat it. Okay, again, maybe don't say that to people. But we really have to have that posture and knowledge of this is who God says I am. This is, who, this is how God sees me, right? Uh, so real quick, before I even just dive into this, prayer partners was mentioned. As soon as that was said, I was like, ooh, I don't know about you guys, but if you have been struggling with a piece of your identity, I would really encourage you tonight before you leave to share that piece of identity with someone on prayer team and just have them pray that over you to give you that courage and that that courage to believe the truth that God has said about you and the encouragement to stand fast in that, okay? So prayer partners, super important. Uh, Now, today we're gonna go into testing. Did anyone's blood level rise if I mentioned the word test? Is everyone okay in the room? A little bit, thank you, yes. Um, I, in high school, was the girl who would like fight for the 99%, like, you know, the A to the A plus. Uh, So when I'm reading testing in scripture, I'm like, oh man, I have, to, I have to get an A. I have to prove my worth. Um, so we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. But before we go there, I really just wanna dive into how God sees us. Um, there's two ways that we're gonna get to that conclusion. One, you're gonna learn a bit about my personality. Uh, with my personality, I really, really, really am passionate about identity. I'm really passionate about people knowing their worth in God and knowing what God says about you. I think that we can't live to the fullness of what we were created to live for if we don't know what he says about us. And then the second thing that you're gonna learn about me is that I am passionate about biblical literacy um, because it is a continual story that shows the consistency of God's nature to us. And so we're gonna go in two different directions, but I promise I'll, well, I'll land the plane, I think. So. Uh, Where we're going, 
we are gonna rewind a little bit to the scripture that we just talked about in Matthew. We're gonna go into Jesus' baptism. And so the baptism is actually a declaration of his identity, a declaration of the authority that God laid upon him. And then we'll go into the questioning of authority, um, which is that testing period, and then how that applies to us, right? Um, So before we go any further, I wanna give two quick examples. One, a declaration of authority or identity. Um, There was a time that I worked in South Africa in a foster home, and there was this sweet, sweet little girl, um, four years old. We walk in, and I don't know if you guys have like seen four-year-olds before, but they're cute. Most of them are really, really cute. And I lock eyes with her across the playground, and I like felt it in my spirit that God was like, like love on her this month, care for her this month, like she's yours. And I was like, wow, God, thank you so much. So I go up and I introduce myself to the sweet little four-year-old. I cannot tell you the number of times I heard the phrase, Mogan, you naughty, the month that I was with her. Like the group of people that I was serving with would say that to me as a joke. Like anytime I would like mess up or like spill milk or something, spill milk. Um, Anytime I would do something like that, they'd be like, Mogan, you naughty. This little girl, that was her go-to if she didn't get her way, was that you were a naughty person if you don't do the right thing based on my reality. That had become a part of her identity. And so for that whole entire month, I sat with her and I would say, all right, Anna, what are, who are you? What are you? And I let her pick. She picked three words. She said, I am good, I am kind, and I am beautiful. Um, so every day we'd practice those. We'd practice those in the morning, afternoon, evening before she went to bed. And as we practiced those, I actually saw a shift in her personality. Because what had happened is we had taken truths about her and made them a prominent part of her life, of her self-talk, to the point where she no longer saw herself as naughty, and therefore her behavior didn't reflect that identity. So I share that as a piece because, again, it just goes back to how God sees you. If we know what God says about us, if we know the truth about him, when the testing comes, we can stand firm in that truth. The other piece that I want to go into... Um, I, I was about to say was, I am a sorority woman. Um, I was in a sorority at Iowa State and something that I found when I was expressing my passion about knowing the word of God, knowing the, the, the full story is that there is something in Greek life and even in churches that we call tradition, right? How many of you guys have traditions in your life? Could be from Greek life, could be from Christmas, could be from church, right? We all have traditions. How many of you have ever shared said tradition with a friend or a family member, and they've said, you do what? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it happens. The worst, though, is when they say, you do what? And you're like, not everyone does that. That's not normal. (laughs) Um, Because you don't actually know where it originated. You don't know the why behind your action. Knowing scripture, the reason I brought up Greek life is because that tradition if we don't know the root of the tradition, then we can't actually tell the narrative, okay? So um, just giving two backstories for baptism, questioning of authority, and then what that means for us. Now, like I said, 
I kind of geek out on this stuff. And by kind of, I mean I really geek out on it. Matthew, how many of you guys have seen The Chosen? Okay, so I showed this slide to a friend. She's obsessed with Matthew and The Chosen. Like, she squealed and was like, it's Matthew! Um, He's the gentlest spirit in the show. They portray him in such a gentle way. He asks phenomenal questions. He lives in a posture of curiosity. And he's also an outcast because um, he's a tax collector. And as he is trying to understand more about this Jesus person, um, he encounters others who maybe have a preconceived notion of who he is. So Matthew, the reason I bring him up is because uh, that's where the reading came from today. And something we need to know about Matthew and the history of him is that he was a Jew. And when he wrote the book of Matthew, he wrote it to Jews. So there's significance in that because what he's doing is he's continuing the narrative of the Old Testament. And we're gonna see that here in a second, okay? So baptism. Uh, In scripture, there is a a moment that a dove comes down from heaven, lands on Jesus, he's in the Jordan River, and he is baptized. And this idea of baptism is something that we still practice today. Um, But what I really wanna hit home with baptism in this moment is just that declaration of identity. So um, again, just out of curiosity, hands in the room, how many of us have been baptized? How many of you, while you were baptized, um, took time to reflect on who God says you are? Good, awesome. If you haven't had that opportunity, you don't need to go get a, a like swimming pool or a bathtub or anything. You don't have to go like reimmerse yourself. But I would encourage you. Um, what is that declaration? It's A, your heart posture towards God saying, I wanna look a lot more like you and also his reflection of you into the world. So God, who do you say I am? What have you called me to do in this space? Um, So like I said, I geek out on this stuff. I can't take credit for this. This is Marty Solomon. Um, He has an incredible podcast, Bama podcast. Um, But what he did was he went through all of scripture and... um, kind of found patterns throughout scripture that help us grasp like the continuation of a story, okay? So um, we're gonna have a pattern here. Chaos, water, spirit over the water, God speaks testing. Where's the first place you see that in scripture? Genesis. Genesis, good. There's a few in Genesis. Where's like the very first time? Genesis 1, yes, Genesis 1, 1. Um, There is chaos in the world and the spirit hovers over the water. God speaks and creation comes into being. Um, God then speaks directly to his his joy, pride and joy, um, Adam and Eve, and he speaks into them and gives them a directive. Um, he, he speaks identity into them. This is what you guys will get to do as image bearers of me into the world. And so he speaks that. It is an invitation for them to live in partnership with him. It's an invitation for them to work together um, and to do what they're called to do. And then the test comes, right? There is a tree placed in the garden and there's that temptation to take the fruit and become... God to themselves. And they take that temptation. Um, Second time in scripture that you see chaos, water, spirit of the water, God speaks testing. It's still in Genesis. Noah. Noah. Yeah, exactly. There is chaos. God literally is looking at the world and he's like, it is evil. Like this is, we're done. 
Um, and he speaks to Noah, says, hey, you know what? I see goodness in you. I think that, I think we can give this another go. Um, so go ahead, jump on a boat that I'm gonna tell you how to make. And when I tell you to, step off the boat and enter into a new creation. And so Noah steps off the boat, God speaks into this new creation, and Noah is tested. Uh, Noah is, and um, he makes himself a vineyard, has a little bit to drink. And um, when he wakes up, he makes a decision after something really, really awful happens to him to say that I'm going to take justice into my own hands and I'm gonna curse my son for what he has done to me versus allowing that authority to rest in God still. So he's tested, doesn't quite pass the test. Um, There are several other examples in scripture that go through this. In fact, I had kind of talked through this with two other people just today. And one person was like, you know, that happened to David. And I was like, it did? Uh, And then somebody else was like, that happened to Ezekiel. And I was like, tell me more. What? (laughs) Um, So again, just that posture of continuing to learn, but also knowing the narrative is just so important because you see these cycles throughout scripture. And so the one that we're gonna focus on, the one that leads us into Jesus's temptation in the desert is actually Israel. Uh, So chaos, they just left Egypt, kind of chaotic. I don't know if any of you have moved, but chaos. Um, So they are packing up, heading out of Egypt and they encounter a body of water. What do they encounter? Red Sea, sea, yes. Um, The spirit of God hovers over the water, whoosh, right? Water separates. Um, God speaks, tells them to go, and they enter into the desert where they experience testing. So again, I asked this earlier. Um, I'm not sure everyone was honest in the room because I think I only raised my hand, but does testing bother anyone? Okay, there we go. Um, Or even like work reviews. I feel like that's more our age group, right? Like you're at work and your boss is like, hey, we need to talk. And you're like, about what? (laughs) Um, Testing doesn't always feel good. And the reason I really wanna hone in on this in that continuation of the story um, is that God's heart is not to evoke fear in you. God is not here, God is not um, leading you into your desert season for you to prove something. I wanna say that again. God is not leading you into your desert seasons for you to prove something. Testing is not pass fail. So actually scripturally, um, in Deuteronomy 8, it says uh, testing is to humble you um, and to test you in order to know what is in your heart. The word know is yada. Um, which is also just a really fun word to say, yada. Um, but the word no is experiential intimacy, not cerebral knowledge. God does not test you to know what is in your mind, but God leads you into seasons of testing to understand better what's in your heart. So I have it up there, an opportunity. There's two opportunities for testing. One is us to God, to show God what's in our heart. Um, And not only to show what's in our heart, but show our willingness to be obedient. That is not perfection. Willingness and perfection are completely separate entities. I feel like, I don't know if anyone else is an Enneagram person in the room. Um, I'm a one. Um, So... (laughs) Perfectionism was a problem. I'm reformed. Um, 
But with perfectionism, I think I really struggled with that. I struggled to understand a God in Genesis who declared mankind to be good. And then this pressure I think I put on myself to achieve this goodness. When in all actuality, the word good in Genesis has nothing to do with perfection. It actually has to do with us living to our intended purpose and design. So a pencil, when you use it to write, is good because it's doing what it was created to do. You, when you reflect God and his love into the world, are good because you are choosing to operate in the posture that he made you. So testing is two-way opportunity for God to know what our hearts are. And the second piece is for God to teach us a new lesson, for him to share more knowledge, for him to share more of his heart that we get to reflect into the world. Um, I, wow. Yeah, this just feels really important to me that we grasp this, that God doesn't test us to um, prove a point. He actually, um, oh, sorry, here it is. I have a nephew, and I don't know if anyone else is an aunt or an uncle in the room, but we tend to be obsessive people, (laughs) literally. Like the new human enters the family, and I can guarantee all of you that are aunts and uncles have at least 47 photos of that individual on your phone, and they've only existed for 23 days. (laughs) So my little human, uh, his name is Parker, and he's three and a half months. I should know this. Uh, He's a little guy, though. And, um, oh, man, When I look at him, like every time I look at him, I am more in love with him. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. And I'm not even his mother. Like, that says something, people. But I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you are perfect. In not a way that you have to be perfect, perfectionist, but in a way that you're just so good. You're so good. Sometimes when Parker and I get to hang out, I test him. Bear with me. Remember what testing means. I put the little guy on his tummy for tummy time because he has to work on his neck muscles and he has to stretch and he just has to be cute. But I lay him on the floor for tummy time and I set some toys just out of reach, not because I'm going to test him for pass-fail. I'm never going to look at a three-month-old and be like, well... (laughs) Guess you don't get to have that toy now. Um, no, gosh, heavens no. And any, if any of you do that, let's talk, because that's just, give the children the toys. Anyway, toys just out of reach. I'm not testing him on, on pass-fail. I'm not going to look at him ever and be disappointed because he couldn't reach the toy at three and a half months. I am in awe that he is moving his neck around I am excited for when he reaches his hand out for the first time and touches that toy. I am overjoyed when he starts to giggle and when he starts to roll over because I see the potential that he carries and I put him in a position of testing for him to realize his potential and encourage him in it, right? And so that is God's posture towards us as we enter into the seasons of testings, not because he wants to prove a point, but because he wants you to know what you're capable of. He wants you to know what you were designed for. How God sees us is so important for us to wrap our heads around because how God sees us and the trust we have in that 
affects how we then in turn act in the world. So there's this piece of scripture that Jesus said is like the number one. Like hold this one near and dear guys because it's important. It says, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. I think this is the passion translation, that or the message. But love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. And the second commandment is this, to love your, as your, interesting. Really can't love our neighbor well if we don't love ourselves well. And we really can't love ourselves well unless we actually have embraced the love of God that he has to give us. So that is what we're gonna go into, into the testing, into this test that Jesus goes through. So Jesus goes into the desert and he is, um, he's tempted. He, well, A, he's led into the desert by the spirit. That freaked me out the first time I read it because I was like, God, what you doing? Um, but he's led into the spirit or led by the spirit into the desert because God says, you know what? I wanna know what's in your heart. I wanna know, will you love me with your whole heart? Um, so Jesus was led into the, de- or into the desert by the spirit. And um, the first temptation that he's given is around bread. Look at it right here. So the uh, devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Uh, And Jesus said, nope. People do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So remember when I told you that the Bible is like this continuous story and there's themes that rotate through? Israel crosses the Red Sea. Jesus baptized in the Jordan. Both head into the desert. First test of Israel is they left Egypt and they looked behind them and they said, wouldn't it have been better had we just stayed in Egypt if you're just gonna let us die? Sometimes I read scripture and I'm like, wow, Israel, you're whiny. And then I listen to myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm Israel. Um, But I think that's important because Israel is a reflection of humanity, right? It's this journey that we all go through. How many times have you been in a season of life where you didn't really know what was next? You didn't know the provision that was going to be there. Maybe it was apartment hunting, finding a new job, moving to a new city. Those are some bigger ones. There's some smaller ones out there too. Um, I personally have had those experiences where God has said, go somewhere. And I'm like, sure, yeah, go, yep. And then I get there and I'm like, I don't think I want to be here because I realize that I'm not actually trusting God with my provision. Just like Egypt started going into the desert and they said, where's the bread? We would have been better with garlic and onions in Egypt. And um, instead, God says, "Do do you trust me? Do you trust me with your provision? Do you trust me with your heart? Um, The word heart here is actually the, the, the way that this would have been interpreted would have been like the seat of your will. So it's all about your obedience. Will you, will you trust me with your obedience? Will you go if I say go? Will you believe that I'll provide for you if I tell you to go somewhere? That was his question for Israel. And I think it's his question for us too. The next one, um, this one was a test that the enemy put, or the, that they, um, Jesus was tempted with was to put God to the test. Like if you, if you jump off this high hill, the angels will catch you, right? 
Uh, and Jesus responds like, Mm-mm, no, bro. I'm not supposed to, I, like, we don't put the Lord, our God, to the test. Like, that's just not what we do. Um, this one hit me really, really hard, like, two days ago when I was reflecting on it, because the word soul is unique to each of us. I would equate it to, like, the desires of our heart, and those desires are unique and gifted to us by God. Um, and there have been a few desires, especially in recent years, that I have not seen come to fruition. And there's a part of me that's like, okay, God, if this is really a desire from you, prove it. Like, this is how it's gonna happen. Like, here's my storyline. If you make this happen, I'll believe that those are desires you gave to me, right? Um, Rather than just saying, wow, God, I trust you with my desires. And if it happens tomorrow, awesome. If it happens in five years, great. If it happens differently than what I thought it would happen as, also amazing because I trust you with it, right? So don't put the Lord your God to the test. Um, There's just this posture towards the Lord that we're invited into that is, um, all of these questions are intended to be self-reflection. They aren't a test for us. They aren't God saying, you know, if, if you fall short of this, you've missed the mark. That's the beauty of Jesus is Jesus went into the desert and he like, I was about to say passed with flying colors just to contradict myself. Uh, But he did. He went through the desert and he encountered the enemy and he knew his identity so solidly that he was able to overcome all of those temptations. Um, Third one, will you love me with all your strength? Uh, This one, uh, there was a time in the desert where um, God had told the people of Israel, like, go conquer this land, but don't take any of their gold. And unfortunately, someone did, in fact, take the gold. Um, and it was this reminder that we are called to only worship the Lord our God. This one was great. I don't know, like the whole beat it Satan thing. Um, a brings up a song in my head, like beat it, beat it. That, that's what came to mind, actually, um, which would be really great if Jesus like broke out into that song while looking at the enemy. That'd be cool, but I mean, maybe it happened that way. I don't know. Um, but will you love me with all of your strength? The word strength here is your, your, your life essence, your being, your posture, your action in the world. Will you choose to love the Lord your God with all your strength? Will you posture your heart towards him in such a way that you'll reflect him so well into the world that people will see him through you? That's the invitation there. So we had three invitations from God. Will you love me and trust me with the circumstances of your life and the provision I wanna give you? Will you love me and trust me with the desires I've planted in your heart and that I will bring them to fruition? And will you love me and trust me with the strength of your being? Will you, will you step into the identity that I've given you? Will you recognize the goodness that I've placed in you that I really wanna be reflected into the world? especially today, especially in the world we live in today. So last part real quick, you and me, I feel like we've kind of, we've, we've hit the nail on the head. Um, but how do we follow Jesus? How do we look more like him? Um, I'm gonna use Parker as an example again, because like I said, good aunt. So I've got to talk about him at least twice. Um, Parker knows his mom's voice now. 
because of the amount of time that she spends talking to him. She sits and she smiles and she says, oh, you're so good. Oh, you're so kind. How a three-year-old or a three-month-old can be kind, I don't know, but we're just ingraining it in him now. Um, You're so kind. You're so gentle. Oh, you're so funny. He is. Um, Parker is learning his mom's voice. He's learning her words so that one day when he's out at the playground and my sister Kinsey yells, hey, Parker, time to head home. His head shoots up. He makes eye contact across hundreds of children. He's like, mom's calling, right? He'll, he'll, uh, he'll know her voice. He'll know it so well that he can pick it out in a sea of voices and know that it's hers. And the last one is live by his word and his voice. As he grows, my prayer for my sister, for my nephew, for, for all of us, is that as we learn God's voice and his word, as we know that voice as it speaks to us, it'll start being reflected in the choices that we make. It'll start being reflected in the way that we posture ourselves towards one another and the love that we have for our neighbor. Um, That someday when Kinsey says, hey, don't cross the street there, Parker won't think twice. He'll just say, oh, okay, because I trust the voice. I'm living by what the voice is telling me to live by. Um, So ultimately, guys, the Bible's one big story. uh, And our invitation is just to trust it. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines. And we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.